Welcome to the Comic Crush Presents Script and Pencils. Today you're going to be listening to the silky jazz influence tones of, well, me, and of course our special guest, Ram V. I'm sure a lot of you know Ram's work with recent stints on Justice League Dark, the Swamp Thing special that dropped a couple of weeks ago, featuring uh, Mike Perkins on art. Not only that, but he's got a couple of future state books coming up from DC in January and February, as well as his work on Catwoman, also from DC. But we're going to be talking about his jazz-influenced horror story, Blue and Green, which is at your local comic book shop right now and features stunning art by Arnand R.K. Uh, that's from Image Comics, by the way. Now, I know you guys want to support these podcasts and the Comic Crush website, where I give you a finely curated look at comics and the comic industry every week. And you can do that by signing up for one of our great Patreon tiers, which offer you everything from extended cuts of these podcasts to a mystery box brand new number one comic sent to you quarterly all for a ridiculously small sum of money click the patreon link on the site to sign up now or make a purchase from our new online shop where we offer modern comics recent first issues graphic novels and complete sets free postage in the uk and prices that aim to be lower than ebay uh, it all helps keep the site and the podcast running in these troubling times so i really appreciate you uh, doing that Keep up with The Comic Crush by liking our page on Facebook, following us on Twitter and Instagram at The Comic Crush, and checking in with the site, thecomiccrush.com, for new comics articles every week. Let's say hello to our guest. So, Ram V, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here, as always, Paul. It is uh, such a pleasure to be talking to you again. It's been a while. It's uh, like over a year since we spoke last, I think. Yeah, I feel like we bumped into each other at things constantly yeah but we never quite end up scheduling something and actually executing <laughs> on it so i'm glad we're doing this time. I, I, i'm thrilled i'm thrilled I, it'll be great to get this up and uh, get this out and talk about blue and green which i'm really excited about um yeah thank you I'm, i mean i'm excited but also gritting my teeth and going please don't hate it <laughs> I, I i don't think that'll be a problem i don't think that'll be a problem just, just looking at it obviously influenced strongly and about music did the title itself come from the miles davis track yeah yeah of course i think it's one of those i mean i've always had this thing with jazz where i would talk to people and because most people's experience of jazz is the stuff they play in lounges at restaurants or the stuff you put on at home when you have guests for dinner and you want unobtrusive music because of that, no one quite understood when I would always say there's something oddly painful and haunting about jazz. Uh, and to me, Blue and Green has always been one of those tracks where if you really listen to it, there is an undertone of something ghostly, something haunting uh, in there. Uh, and and I kind of wanted to translate that into a, into a narrative, into a story, uh, and try to capture that that kind of complex mood of something being beautiful and sad and haunting at the same time. And how does that translate into the story? I mean, without obviously giving away the twists and turns, what is Blue and Green about? So Blue and Green is about uh, Eric Dieter, who is a kind of struggling slash failed musician who goes back to his mother's home uh, for her funeral. Uh, and ends up discovering a photograph in her belongings. Uh, and what follows is his obsession with trying to discover the man in the photograph, parallel with his obsession in trying to discover his own 
musical genius and, and I suppose discovering the depths or the extent to which he will go to achieve what he knows is inside him somewhere. Um, and so it really is a kind of haunting character study of a, of a man on a downward spiral, if you will. Despite all his attempts to kind of raise himself up out of that and, and, and kind of be on, on, on an upward uh, curve, because one assumes yeah. that as a musician, he wants to get better. He wants to, you know, achieve success. Yeah, I mean, I suppose every every artist on, on, on some level is trying to do that. Uh, and I guess it, it depends on how you define success. And it's it's that thing of, you know, I talk to writers all the time who are like, I want to write something real, like something I've experienced or, or something that has touched me in a way that cannot be explained through anything other than a story, you know? Uh, and, and to be able to do that, like I question if, if you need to have those experiences, if you need to have lived, you know, like Vonnegut or Pynchon to be able to write the things that they did. Uh, and so this is kind of an eternal question at the heart of all creative people. Uh, and, and I suppose that that is the question I'm trying to explore through the story as well. Right. I mean, but uh, like looking at your own work and own success you're, you're you seem to be not living a, a particularly destructive life so that i guess that no, speaks to not. how you, you you don't necessarily have to do that um, no you don't but but also you know part of part of writing is also therapy right like i write stories because i can't live them if i lived all of my stories i wouldn't write them if, if I could be all of my characters, I would be those characters and I wouldn't necessarily write them, you know? Uh, and so all of these stories, all my characters are, are potentially extremes to which I would not go, but there's certainly an element of crossover, at least in, in the thoughts that, or at least on a, on a luminal level, there's some, some level of crossover between the questions asked in the story and the questions that I asked myself. How did this idea begin for you? Do you remember the sort of Genesis moment, as it were, of, of this this book? I mean, it, I, I get asked this question about all of my books, and frankly, like I, I never have like one moment where I go, oh yeah, okay, now I have a story. It always happens. I mean, looking back, I can see four, five, six occasions that... that that certainly have influenced, you know, or have pushed me to a point where I started working on the story. And so I think the first real thought I had about Blue and Green was uh, after Emerald City Comic Con, I was, uh, I was, you know, I just wanted to go and have some food by myself and I didn't want to talk to anybody else. So I went off to a, a, a jazz bar in Seattle there's a band playing and they took a break and the bassist uh, came down to the bar and I bought him a drink. And we ended up talking about jazz and talking about what I did. And at some point we said, you know, jazz and writing have a lot of commonality because they're both trying to articulate something that cannot be, that is nebulous, that is intangible. They're both trying to reach for something that is too complex to be simplified. Um, and, and so I think 
there was the first time I started thinking about telling a story with jazz and then with that element of trying to explore a complex idea through through narrative fiction, through visuals, if you will. Yeah, and it's strange because there is, I, I guess there isn't a, a comics equivalent of jazz too often because jazz can be improvised and it can be sort of reinterpreted live and in the moment whereas you, yeah. you, you can't really do that with, with comics so did that make it more difficult to then write a comic about jazz no i think we did something very interesting with this comic uh so all of blue and green was written without outlining without without a, a set decision of like okay this is scene one this is scene two um i wrote each page after i received the finished art for the previous page from anna um and wow. okay then we would sit and, and talk about the next page and, and figure out the layouts and what should happen on it and then he'd go away and draw it over over the next 24 48 hours and then i would write the next page once I started seeing what that page was going to look like. Uh, and so in a, in a way it has been improvisational if you, if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was made a little bit like a jazz track. Um, and so I think there is creative risk and reward to, to working like that, where you don't really know, you're kind of building your own steps as you ascend or descend. Uh, depending on what direction you think the story's going. <laughs> so, uh, like, how long did the book take? Because if you're doing it kind of with that sort of turnaround where he's he's drawing the pages and then you're writing based on that, how long were we looking at for this book to be to sort of come to fruition? It took us, the, I mean, more than a year. More than wow. a year to get it done. So, because uh, I distinctly remember pitching it and sharing some previews of it way, way back when. Like, I haven't even had the courage to go back and look at the date when we actually started it. So, <laughs> and we spent like two and a half months trying to figure out the visual style that we were going to use in the book. Because Adam hadn't done something like that before, even though he knew that he wanted to do something in that painted style, mixed media style, if you will. It's a wonderful style. Like it, 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 I was looking at some panels from it just before I jumped onto the interview, and uh, the light and the the feel of the book looks staggering. I, I, I literally can't wait to to get it in front of me and give it a read. Yeah, I was talking to someone who said they had a very unusual experience of of horror and comics with this book because they were reading, and there was nothing particularly horrific happening. At least, at least nothing as dramatically horrific uh, as a lot of books. But someone said they, they were palpitating as they were reading this, like they could feel their heart rate going up, which is which is great. Like that's the perfect, that's the kind of horror I want to do. Is you can't quite, because that's like blue and green. You can't quite tell why, but it's haunting. Yeah. And and that's the effect I would like to achieve in the book. Is you can't put your finger on what part of this book is making you uneasy but it is making you uneasy and music is so much more nuanced than i find other art forms are like you can you can reach an emotion faster with music than you can with anything else sure 
Um, so I guess to have that sort of creeping dread or feeling or what, whatever it was your your friend was feeling, that anxiety, um, yeah. must have been great. Uh, and also akin to hearing a really good yeah. piece of music and you know yeah. that, that sounds that sounds wonderful yeah so i was i was pretty thrilled with that with that response you, and you, i think a lot of it has to do with the visual style that we used so it it does a beautiful it's and he's it's such a fantastic artist and i i like i really love his stuff and and you know getting yeah, a chance yeah, he's, to he's amazing to yeah. see it and in fact i'm now just just beside me here i've got a copy of uh graffiti's wall which we'll be writing about right. for uh for the website soon so uh i'm, I'm looking That's forward great. to diving back in for that in terms of fitting this around all the other stuff you're doing because you seem to be one of the busiest writers in comics right now mm-hmm. was it easy because of the way you chose to approach this with that kind of on off uh method kind of enforced breaks that and then going off and, and writing uh, and drawing gave you did that make it easier then to tackle the other books you're doing or do you find that it's better to say give two hours a day to to catwoman a couple of hours a day to the the swamp thing thing you did recently for the uh halloween special and then maybe a couple of hours a day to this or were they written sort of really far apart how does that work for you to be honest, none of it is easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you make it sound like um, I plan things a lot more than I do, um, <laughs> but I don't. And and really, I've not been doing this for very long, so this has kind of been the year that I've been discovering, like, okay, there is a wall. There is a wall I can hit, and and once I hit that wall, it becomes hard to, to be creatively productive, I suppose. Mm. Uh, and so if anything, this year has taught me what I can and cannot do, what is a healthy amount of work, uh, and I suppose how organization helps me keep myself sane while doing the amount of work that I've been doing. But ideally, I shouldn't be doing the number of comics that I'm doing. It's going to affect the work sooner or later and I'd, I'd much rather get to a place where you know I'm, I'm calm and I have time to think about the stories that I'm telling rather than falling back on on craft and structure all the time which is not a place where you want to be to be honest and and occasionally I've felt myself kind of getting to a point where I'm like okay that's way too many pages to do in a day because you're really not thinking about how those pages work uh, and I, I don't want to be doing that too often so but but um, does that negate flow then because there is a natural point where you get into that that kind of state where it's the the flow is hit right I mean and the story is you know not to take away from from the writer's presence on the work but where the story is right in itself writing comes from good editing right I mean flow flow is overrated (laughs) Uh, that's why that's why it didn't really take post the post the beat generation, right? I mean, <laughs> Kerouac was great, but I don't see too many people writing like Kerouac anymore. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I think there is an aesthetic to be achieved with that. But um, I think good writing comes from sure you pour everything that you have in your head out onto page, 
but then you sit with it and you really sculpt it and you at least that's how I write and you really question you know whether you need this panel or whether that dialogue can be said in a better way or can you use the wrong words to say the right things so I think there's a lot to be said to, to taking your time if, if you're going to use that time to do useful things <clears throat> yeah I mean because just looking at no, going from our conversations that we had, I think, at the beginning of this year or maybe the end of 2019 and then into your output that I've seen you talk about and I know that things that are coming down down the line, I, I mean, you, you must have been on and off doing about six or seven books in the last year. Am I, is that, am I anywhere near right there? I don't know. I don't keep count. <laughs> but I know I know I've been doing almost relentlessly about five to six comic book pages every day, and so if you if you look at that and say I'm I'm working maybe 25 26 days in a month, uh, that's that's about you know 120 pages of comic book writing in each month persistently for for I don't know past. Six, seven, eight, nine months. That's only four uh, days off a month, Ram. <laughs> like that's yeah, scary. It, yeah, I mean, I've genuinely been working like that, uh, and and yeah, and, and even those four days, like they're not really four days off because you can't stop your brain from thinking about the story. You know, mm. without getting too personal on you, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but along the lines of something like Blue and Green, which seems to be about the sacrifices made to to try and become better what does that take away from your life mm. and again you don't have to answer if you don't want to it's not i'm not looking for personal dirt i'm just you know no. what, what um, as a person what does that take out of you i think i think it's a to be honest i think it's a balance between being enthusiastic about doing the work and and telling stories and experiencing life enough to have stories to tell. Uh, I mean, the pandemic has kind of helped me make my decision one way, but um, ideally I would have liked to be traveling. I travel a lot. I used to travel a lot before before the virus hit. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I would have liked to do that more. And that's that's kind of gone away. I'm the kind of guy who will sit out in front of a restaurant with a glass of wine for about eight hours and do nothing. And uh, I haven't had an opportunity to do that in a very long time. So I think, I think if you don't put stuff in to your, I don't want to say brain, I want to say body. If you don't experience things as a writer, then you're going to have fewer and fewer experiences to pour into your writing. Even if you're writing, you know, aliens versus giant robots you still need human experiences to to pour into whatever you're writing can we on a personal note can we expect aliens versus giant robots as the next book uh, <laughs> actually actually you're not too far from the okay so yeah <laughs> that's that that sounds extremely tantalizing you've, you've hit all the right fanboy uh boxes there 
see an announcement sometime early next year. Oh wow! Okay, I'm, I'll uh, I'm uh, rubbing my hands together with glee over that. Uh, speaking of other comics, moving away yeah. if we can for a moment from Blue and Green, um, we've seen this year that you, you've been working away for DC on Catwoman, on mm-hmm. Justice League, and in, like, what has that experience been like? Good, entertaining, fun uh, at times, and then also a little bit frustrating at times because it's that thing where you're obviously getting to write in a in a sandbox that other people have written in for for years and years. So there's a really complex tapestry of of stories to draw from and, and build, but also because they've been around for so long, there's there's really long set expectations of how those stories work. Uh, and so as someone who, who thinks that as a writer, my job is to defy expectations. My job is to provide something new each time. Uh, it is uh, also a, an ongoing struggle to go, okay, how do I tell this in a way that hasn't been told before? And how do I let other people see that they can be confident in letting me tell this in a way that other people haven't seen before. Uh, and so that's the pitfall. You really have to fight your battles in terms of wanting to do something new. But the the benefit, the, the bonus is also, you know, you're writing these stories and characters where you're drawing from really, really cool ideas and concepts that have come before you. So. And of course, you now get to take some of those characters into uh, very far in the future because you're doing quite a few of the Future State books. Yeah, I'm doing Future State books for Catwoman, uh, Justice League Dark, and Swamp Thing. Uh, And I know this has been a subject of discussion elsewhere, so for the listeners of your podcast, at least my Future State books are all reasonable extrapolations of the future based on where the current line of books are. So I know some of the titles, the future is just a future story. It doesn't really affect what the title is doing in, in the present. But uh, the way I've written them, the future reflects the direction in which the titles are going to go, I suppose. So it, that's been an interesting exercise. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of being able to sit there and plot that out, because were you part of the original kind of 5G stuff? I, I know there's a lot of talk around that at the moment. It's not something I, I necessarily really want to get into because it, it seems to have caused a lot of controversy out there amongst fans. I, I'm just I, I'm just keen to see what, what books come out and, and, and base I my mean, opinions I, on I, those. I'll say this. I've seen all of the stuff about, okay, this is 5G uh, or, or 5G has been repurposed uh, and all that stuff is wrong. Okay, that's and, interesting. And I've, I've certainly been part of uh, the 5G stuff when it was being planned. Uh, and so with that knowledge, I can say that even even if, even if your description of the fact that, oh yeah, this is what 5G was supposed to be might, be, might be accurate on some level, it is so fundamentally wrong on so many other levels that there is no truth to it. <laughs> it just... Future State is what it was intended to be. Right. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I mean, I, I personally don't mind either way. It's it's just like I, I don't see why you would 
necessarily throw away a whole bunch of books that you'd planned and that people had written or, or even begun, you know, drawing. It, it, it that that would seem like a terrible waste to me. However, sure, it's been you know it's been done. I've, I've yeah. written books that have been drawn that never came out. Oh man, uh, and fair. so and 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 you know not only at DC that's happened at Marvel as well um, on occasion, but I think it's quite reasonable to understand if you're a publisher that's putting out hundreds of titles uh, every month, you're gonna have stuff that you know falls away, and I think you want to avoid it, but. I wouldn't be surprised at all to learn that that happens at, at large publishers. It's it's safe to assume that that not everything is ever is going to kind of make it, irregardless of how good. And I'm I'm sure the books yeah, I mean, are good. No one no one ever questions this when it happens in Hollywood, right? Yeah. People say, oh yeah, this book has been optioned, and everyone knows it's like a it's like an open piece of knowledge that yeah, great, but. Only very few things that are optioned actually make it to development and then are turned into whatever they're supposed to be. Yeah. So, so if that's true, why would it not be true in other publishing platforms and mediums? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. I, I have things I write for the website that never, you know, still yeah, haven't seen have, the light of day. I so. have that are gigabytes. Uh, in, in size that are full of stories that I wrote that never made it anywhere. So I think it's part of part of being creative. That's it's it's weird to think. No one, no one in any other medium thinks this. I, I guarantee you, not everything Picasso painted is in a museum and framed. Yeah. Not everything Michelangelo wrote in a book is uh, has been turned into saleable commercial art. You know. So yeah. <laughs> Right, we've got about one minute left, so I do just want to ask you a, a very brief music question, if I can. Yeah. I, I know that you are a bit of a music performer yourself. I, I've, I've heard you dabble a little on, on your guitar and things. Um, and if, if you could have recorded or written any song, jazz or, or any other piece of music, what what piece of music would you would you have written? Do you think? I don't know that I would have written any specific piece of music, but if if you want to talk about genres, then probably something along the lines of Tom Waits doing blues. Right. That be that would be one part of my of my musical endeavors, and probably the other part would be something in between prog and metal. Bit more like tool or perfect circle that sounds like an interesting combination i, I could imagine uh, you doing an album for album that. Same song. yeah <laughs> but that, that would be quite a musical career wouldn't it quite a change in direction from album to album yeah yeah but but i mean i think there are there are people who've done that i mean tom yeah. waits every single album he puts out he has at least four musical styles in there so he does blues he does Jazz, he does, I don't know, spoken word poetry. There's, there's all kinds of stuff in there. So, yeah, I, I like Tom Waits a lot. Well, I'm, and, and this is no comment on your musical abilities, but I'm glad you picked comics as your career. And, <laughs> and I, I am really, really looking forward to uh, Blue and Green. 
and looking forward to, to reading your writing and, and seeing Anand's um, beautiful, beautiful art uh, in, in its in its kind of um, full form. It looks gorgeous. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, readers can go and pick that up now. So Ram, thank you so much for joining me today. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. I hope. Yeah, yeah, anytime. You know, you know where to, you know where to reach me. Yeah, robots versus aliens is is definitely something we're on for. <laughs> Thanks, Ram. Thanks, Paul. Bye. Now I know you want to hear more from Ram. You can do that by signing up to our Patreon on the website thecomiccrush.com, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecomiccrush, and like our page on Facebook. Goodbye to our listeners who aren't signed up for the Patreon now. Um, thanks very much for listening. Pick up Blue and Green at your local comic shop and follow Ram on Twitter at The Right Ram. We'll catch you next time on The Crush.